0: alright? Yeah, good? Alright. Um, okay, Isaiah 58. And we took a little detour from where we were last week. Does not feel like it is? Hello, hello, hello? It doesn't sound very loud. I don't think it is. How many CC Noggy men... Ma- hey, there we go. What was the question we had a couple weeks ago? How many CC Noggy men does it take to like pick a song or something? We did that... Two weeks ago I don't know um, and I think somebody suggested get a woman back there I could do that I think Julie said that actually um, so last time we were in where were we last week First Samuel first Samuel three right first Samuel three and the focus on first Samuel 3 last week was really what what was our main sort of focus talking point? discerning, right? Discerning his voice. That was really the issue, was being able to discern it. Okay, so is this like God's voice in my life, or is this just me talking to myself? Which one exactly is it? And we talked a lot about how to navigate through that. And then we concluded with the goal for all of us is to be like those sheep who hear their shepherd, and it's not really a question of if, it's oh, that is, and what's he saying, where are we going? And that's really our goal. And so often, just the most difficult thing is trying to just settle ourselves down and be able to discern it. And we talked a little bit last week about how a lot of times the problem isn't really even there. The problem is before that of um, God is talking. So for, you know, a lot of people, it's not an issue of can I discern his voice? It's like, well, is that something I should be paying attention to? <laughs> like, is he saying something? So he talked about all of that stuff, you know, last week. And um, and we just turn it just a little bit this week to Isaiah 58, because this is really a big chapter all about fasting, with a focus on fasting. And much of the conversation about fasting in the Bible, it's usually because of people are stressed out. Life is getting really messy and really ugly. Things are happening at an unexpected pace. They feel very unprepared. They're just sort of like, God, I need you to show up. We need to hear from you. Typically through the Bible, like that's a situation that people got themselves into. But their life did it or they did it to themselves. And then they come fast. Um, just because that's A common pattern through the Bible, that does not mean that's the only time for fasting. Um, Because obviously that would just translate to when things get really tough, basically, okay, now I got to start to fast. And the focus that, you know, we're going to talk about today is fasting 101. Just, you know, baseline, basics, you know, what is the deal? Because so often people are like, well, can I eat this? Can I drink that? Can I do this? Can I do that? And and those are good questions because someone's, you know, they're honestly seeking as far as which which is the, the right way to do this. Which is good, because some people flat out couldn't care at all. It's like, well, God is just, he just loves me, I do whatever I want, and that's just fine. And, and as we've known, like, that's not the truth. That's common sort of talking points, but that's not, you read through the Bible, I mean, that's just, that's craziness. So, We're just going to look at some basics about fasting. And um, this is a situation where they weren't doing it well. So if you're curious about if you're doing it wrong or not, here you go. Good passage for that. Okay, so we're going to read it and just talk about a couple things. Okay? All right, Isaiah 58. Uh, Shout it aloud, do not hold back. So he is talking to Isaiah. Isaiah is like the mouthpiece of God. Right? This is the Old Testament. It's a little different than what we have now. Uh, God would use people to sort of be his, his voice. So he's saying to Isaiah, shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. A.K.A. make sure everybody knows, their kids know, everybody knows. Don't be quiet about this. It says, declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. The house of Jacob is Israel. It's the nation. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they are a nation that does what is right, and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions, they seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. And exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, and then in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today, and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger, malicious talk, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in some scorched -scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up to age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls. That's an awesome name, right? restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, and the Lord's day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way, and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land, and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, interesting word that God's got going on here about fasting here. This is more of like a word of warning or kind of rebuke. We're saying, hey, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And so what exactly were they doing? Well, they were supposed to, according to their law, come together on one specified day. Where the entire nation, everybody had to fast. Everybody had to be a part of this then, there were other times where they kind of had a choice. Well, I could fast or I could not. And as we just read, they had some issues when they would come together, right, and when they would fast. And so if you take a look here, I right, would we'll pick up right in the very beginning. It says, for day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask for just decisions. They seem eager for God to come near to them. So, right away, here's the issue. Here's the issue with them. Uh, so, throw yourself in the sandals, okay? You're in Hebrew. You're an Israelite. You know you got to do it on this one day. The other day, it's like, well, nobody's really going to know anyways or check up on you, so you probably won't. And on this one day, it's like, you don't really want to be the person that does not So, you kind of have to. And so God is like, wow, you know, most of you... And it's not everybody. I'm sure there's some genuine, sincere, right fasting going on. But God's saying, hey, listen, for a lot of you, um, you just like appear and you look interested. That's really what's coming down to. It, it just it, it looks like you are. Because you have to, then you'll go through it. And so what they did is they became experts at knowing what the fasting routine looked like. They knew that they could not eat certain things, that they could not do certain things, that they could not you know, say certain things, that they had to do other things. They became experts at it. And what happens is they became so good at that that they were able to actually like, remove themselves from the rest of life to just sort of take care of that part. So, they were able to successfully compartmentalize God. That's what they were really successful in doing. It's like, man, you seem like it looks really impressive. You know all the words to say, you know the passages we're supposed to read, you know when it's time to stand up, when it's time to sit down, you know what offerings need to be given, you know the words to the songs, but it's like it just stays there. Very interesting to me. That's like super interesting to me, because when I think of a day and age, right? We've had a, we've had as a human race a couple thousand years of practice, a couple of years, couple thousand years of practice at this thing called church and Jesus, and kind of when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to Christianity. Um, you know, church is obviously an important part. But obviously the most important part is our relationship with Jesus Christ. The whole reason why then there is a church and there is a bride is because those that have given their lives to God and want to live for God, they then become part of a church. So the only reason that church showed up on the scene and became uh, a thing was that you couldn't keep the Christians quiet. They had to tell, they had to show. That's what the idea of church. That, that's my prayer. That's my hope for us. I hope that's your prayer and your hope as well. It's not only for us to just tell people things, but to also show things. That, hey, this is real. God is real. So because of all that, there's also been like another group that's risen up, you know, within church. And I get it, but it's not good. They're just able to really successfully compartmentalize their religion life. That stays here, and it does not go over there. It just stays right here.
1: And I know it all, and it's
0: really great. And that's, that, that's the really scary thing about organized religion. That's what's very, very scary. is because you can get really good at knowing all the words, knowing all the procedures, knowing all of the routines, knowing all of the rituals, and still be completely far off. So how does God respond to that stuff? Now, and I say that because what God's not saying here, he's not saying, hey, listen, Jared, hey, C.C. Noggy, hey, whatever church, don't go now policing everybody. Don't go policing everybody. But be aware of it and don't let that stuff sneak into your family. Does that make sense? Because it's really important that we know that. We know what the police do. <laughs> yeah, they notice, they flag you down, they pull you over, they ask a lot of investigative type of questions, and they try and figure out the whole thing. We don't want to necessarily be known for that. But certainly if there's like this idea that, hmm, I'm getting really good at knowing when to stand up, when to sit down, how to sing songs, but like everything else seems kind of disconnected. We've got to be able to, to to handle that, do something about it. It's very important because here's what it does. So let's keep reading. Um, It says, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you haven't even noticed? So one of the things that they're, we're going to call it uh, false eagerness. One of the fruits of that one of the fruits of a false ego. So are very curious about... Well, geez, is my heart like genuinely attached to God's heart? It's a good question to ask. I ask myself that. I hope you guys ask yourself that. Like, am I genuinely about this or doing whatever? Especially a fast. Am I genuinely in, into doing this? Um, one way that you can tell is by their response. They say, geez, we fasted and we did whatever... And it seems like you didn't even notice God. And what that's code for... That's code for God. We made these sacrifices and you didn't do what we wanted you to do. Don't you care? So what happens is fasting like got twisted into a way to where I can get God to do what I want him to do. Because we put ourselves at the center. Typically, we put ourselves at the center. We say, oh, um it's a really big deal for me not to do whatever I'm giving up. I'm like, oh man, that's a really significant sacrifice. Like we say this, I don't think we say it out loud. We say it subconsciously. Oh man, you know. And we kind of shine it on us a little bit. And we're like, oh God must do something if I'm going to be giving this up. Right? Yes. We do things like that. And that's like a self-centered fasting. That's 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 weird. That's more like willpower religion, is really what it is. Where it's like focused on, on like our willpower and our abstaining from something, and that somehow that moves the heart of God. So, fasting 101, part of fasting 101 is it doesn't have the false eagerness that leads to selfishness. Fasting 101 comes with an understanding. Comes with an understanding that the fasting is not going to change God's mind or his heart. But. Drum roll, drum roll. Half a drum roll. Pretty good. Thank you, Josh. You got coffee. That worked. But what it does, right? it doesn't change his heart or change his mind. What it does is it brings us into a better understanding of who he is and what he is doing. That's the entire purpose of a fast summed up very basically in one sentence. It's the son or the daughter saying, Father, I need to be extremely close to your heart right now. I need to hear from you. I want to be close from you. It's not, Father, I'm just doing this, so you fix this and just get that done. I don't know what the crazy thing is, too. Sometimes in some situations, he even does like just do that sometimes for some people, depending upon where they are and what they're doing. There are testimonies of people that are just like, listen, I ask God just to do this and, you know, he just did it. And, like, broke all the rules. But God makes the rules. He can break whatever he wants, whenever he wants. The common theme and idea being is that the fasting, the whole purpose and point of it, is we're trying to draw near to him and hear him more closely. So, like, during this fast so far, so I myself personally, uh, my flesh hasn't typically really enjoyed this gives us some things that are are pretty difficult for myself and uh, my spirit is just loving it though man just the other night just had an amazing time with God I mean like legit amazing like wow it was amazing like that was the best and there is a couple other times too but just one that's significant just stuck out and you know he just spoke some super significant things to my heart one of them just reinforcing, nothing totally dramatic or crazy, one of them just reinforcing what it means. So we sang that song, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, right? Just reinforcing that dynamic to be actually like a son in his family. And just what that means. And I could listen to like a hundred sermons, and I have just about our position before God and what that means and all that stuff. And they were all good. But there is absolutely nothing, nothing like when God speaks it to our hearts. Sermons are good and that's great. But when God actually makes that true and brings that revelation, it just really just changes everything. I mean, it just really does. And that's really the point of the fasting. is just coming to God and just hearing from His voice. So can I eat this and can I do that? Like, I don't know, It's just like whatever. Like, remove yourself, get rid of some stuff, whatever it is, and just like, just get into him. Like, that's the idea. So figure out how you gotta do that, you know? There's no formula or the really right way. And then these guys, right, what they did, they seemed eager, it was really false, they were just looking for their own benefit, and the way you could tell that was even more compartmentalized They did a crazy combination during the fast. They did the fasting and fighting. I was like, what are they doing? So, part of their fasting they had also involved in their life was just fighting. Just fighting. So, what they're doing, right, on uh, verse 4 here, says, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. It's like, what are you doing? Um, and then uh, further down, he says, with pointing finger, verse 9, with a pointing finger and malicious talk. It's like, man, if you're trying to do a fast, and that stuff is super present, it's, you really got to ask yourself, what the heck are you doing? Right? And, and I can't make fun of them all too much, because I think for all of us, that can unfortunately be a very big reality. They like tried to combine it and they saw no issue with it. Because in their mind, they saw it as being very impressed with their own obedience. Do you see how dangerous this is? We've talked about this actually a lot the past few weeks. Being just very impressed with the things we do. It's overly impressed with it. Because typically like they're uncomfortable or they're, they're new to us and we just get impressed with ourselves. And God's like, no, that's called being obedient. <laughs> But they're really impressed with themselves. Hey, we did all this stuff. We did it the way you said to do it. And then they just sort of just did whatever, like in their whole life. That's like really scary when that happens. That's like the ultimate form of deceit. It's really scary. So he says in verse 5 Is this the kind of fast that I've chosen? Only a day for a man or woman to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? So he's like, man, you guys totally have it wrong. And here's the part that's like super sobering. If you turn back to Isaiah chapter 1, keep your finger there, and then also put your finger in Isaiah chapter 29. So Isaiah 1 and Isaiah 29. So here's the very sobering thing for me. The sobering thing for me is if it gets compartmentalized long enough and we kind of live in like that deceitful area for a while, it is like really bad. Because here's what it does. So, Isaiah 1, um, we're gonna, in verse 10, we'll just read to verse 15. Uh Yeah, it says, hear the word of the Lord. You rulers of Sodom, listen to law to the law of your God, our God. You people of Gomorrah, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord, I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who is the asses of you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. This is like super strong language here. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I'm going to hide my face from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I'm not going to listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. This is like, wow. So this is interesting. Because it very clearly points out a part of God's character where he just won't listen. He just doesn't want to hear it anymore. Which is very, very interesting to me. We have this loving God who's gracious, who's compassionate, who wants to draw people to himself and be in relationships. But there's a part of his character and his nature where he says, listen, I am so done with this right now. Just through the motions, falsely kind of pursuing after me, saying that, you know, it's really some kind of relationship with me when it's really not. I'm done. I'm not even going to listen to your prayers. I'm I'm just just sick of it. Wow. It's interesting to know that. That that's part of his nature and his character. Because some people be under the impression that God is just Hey, he loves everybody. Do whatever you want. You're just covered at the end of the day. That is like super big, bad lie. That's just not the truth. Of course, that makes everybody feel better, and we feel more comfortable with that. Well, I can do whatever I want. He still loves me. That's great. Really? Really? How would that make any sense? And what was Jesus? Then what does Jesus have to do with anything? And what does him on the cross have to do with anything? pretty pointless then. So, there is this part of his character's nature. Here's what the great news is. The great news is if you're a Christ follower, you don't have to worry about any of that. If it's already in your heart that you're just concerned about things, you know, not being right, and you come and you live a lifestyle of repentance and in humility, repentance. It's kind of the big word here live in just repentance and just humility before God, he's always wanting to hear the prayers. Like He's always wanting to answer them. He never shut tunes. He never turns. Never. Never. That's why it's so good to be in a relationship with him. We had somebody come to the house, I don't know, maybe it was like a couple years ago, and they're just like, man, I'm just talking to God. I don't feel like he hears me. I don't think he says anything to me. It just seems silent. Just hear nothing back from him. Nothing back from him. So then we were talking with the person, and they didn't really seem like they had really a relationship with God. So it's like, well, have you actually ever just sat down and just said, Lord, like, you're the king of my life. I want you in my life. I accept what Jesus Christ did for me as my Savior, and I'm going to serve you. Have you ever just, like, done that? Maybe not in those words, but something like that. You're like, eh, I don't think so. You know, like, I've been to church. I've been around things, and, and that's all kind of good. But at some point in time, right, obviously we all have to come to that point and do that. I said, well, honestly, like, listen, his hands are a little bit tied right now. He's waiting for that communication line to be opened up fully, and that happens with a submission and a repentance. Said, so let's do that right now. You know? And then we did that. They were hearing from God. They haven't stopped hearing from God since. So it's very interesting how that dynamic works. Are there some times when you have somebody who doesn't believe in God or they're like an unbeliever or searching or whatever and, and he answers a prayer of theirs? Yeah, there's also some times like that. Again, he can break some rules. But typically the way it goes down is we got to come with a repentant, humble heart before him so then we can be in relationship from him. That's the way it's got to work. So then in Isaiah 29, take a look here. They had a real issue with this compartmentalized, perfect kind of performance ritualistic routine. Verse 13 says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. It's like, geez. I don't know if that sounds familiar, but that's like on the front cover of our bulletin. It's kind of our verse here as the church. So if you never realized that before, like it is. The idea being, they just made it up. The worship of God just being just rules taught. Okay, what's the order of the service? What's the next thing I have to do? I'll just do all those things. And that, that was never, that's never the point. It's never the idea. The whole idea, the whole point was always for God to have our hearts. To where it's, it would be in, impossible and unthinkable to do those things and then not also do those things the other six days of the week. That That's like unthinkable. It's always the way it was intended to be. And that's one thing, certainly, like when we planted the church and we had the group, you know, and we met, for praying, and doing all kinds of things, I feel like certainly, you know, in our era and during this time, that's a huge battle. It's a huge battle to actually know God for who he is as a father that he actually does talk he speaks to people and he does supernatural things he actually like just does it and that's like a life we're expected to live in and unfortunately there's not a whole lot of Christians that live in obedient humble faith-filled risk-taking lives to where people can look around and they can kind of see oh yeah God is evident and God is real that's the conviction on, on my heart and that's the conviction on the church like that's not a good look for us I hope when they come in contact of, anybody comes in contact of any one of us it's like hugely evident that God isn't not because we know some memory verses because we went to church on Sunday because we're going to our next Bible study like, whatever. Like, okay, that kind of says something. What really says something is how our hearts are actually connected with his and how he's just breathing life into our lives. Amen, Pastor Jerry. That's, that's what really matters. I mean, that's really the issue at the end of the day. That's the issue. And that's what draws people in. That's what just draws people to their Father we're all created by him. We're created to be with him. And then there's this stuff in him that desperately cries out for him. But it's just like, God. Ah, people have so many questions and hang-ups and bad experiences and different understandings. It's really tough to deny and totally shut off people that have just jumped both in and that are just living on the edge of just faith and risk with God and just surrendering where he shows up and just does things, it's hard It's hard to ignore that. And that's where he calls us to be. That's where he calls us to be. Here's another very interesting observation. So my first observation was, they just, from the outward, you know, they just, it looked good. On the inside, it was a mess. But the other interesting observation is, how closely related a fast that God finds like really acceptable and pleasing, how a fast like that is so closely intertwined with helping feed other people and clothe other people. So take a look. Verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, Set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Share your food with the hungry. Provide the poor wander with shelter. When you see the naked, clothe them. And not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Skip to verse 10. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in darkness and your night will become like the noonday. This is very interesting. So it's like a lot of times we talk about fasting, you know, and abstaining, getting close to God and hearing us, which is what we're called to do. It's very interesting when God talks about it in this chapter, in this context, how he says, man, when you are fasting, something that comes right with it is, is, I like how he says it, spending yourself on behalf of others. That's like another significant part of a fast. Helping to feed somebody else. Helping to clothe other people. Where you're just like generously giving. I like how also he didn't leave family out of it. He says, and don't turn away from your own flesh and blood. Like offer and extend yourself also to your family. Maybe that really grinds you. There's a lot of problems or issues or whatever. Extend yourself. Like totally give of yourself. To those around, those in need give out as much as you can. Be as generous as you can. So it's amazing to me how uh, the idea of generosity and fasting are so closely intertwined and put together. And then God just follows it up with just these huge promises. You're going to shine like the noonday sun. Um, your shine will it, it will be uh, as a bright light among men. And then he goes, uh, you will find your joy in the Lord and I'll cause you to ride on the heights of the land. I mean, these are like duty promises. Pretty interesting stuff. One last thing. So there was this idea of just this outward show, right? Outward show that really was just centered around what can I get out of God? I will fast so I can get something from Him. That's why it's always a bad idea to do fasting to break a bad habit. And a lot of people are trying to do that. Oh, I need to, you know, stop cracking my nails, you know, cracking my nails, cracking my knuckles, biting my nails, uh, working out, whatever it is. It's always a bad idea to do that stuff because that's never, that's that's not the focus. If that happens, great, awesome, praise God, hallelujah. But that's not like, hey, I need to do that so I can get myself on track to do that thing. That's self-centered, like that was the very thing that was like, hey, don't do that. It's about coming near to my heart. So that was the first observation that they were just they were able to compartmentalize, and it was really about them in the end. Second observation is that generosity to those that they don't know and those that they do know, God was calling them to ramp it up. Just ramp it up. During fast time, ramp it up. I don't know if I have it. Do it in faith. Ramp it up. And then the last interesting observation is the idea of the Sabbath. Verse 13. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's Day honorable, and if you honor it by not give, uh, going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you'll find your joy in the Lord. I'll cause it right in the heights of the Lamb. The idea being, as I listen to, hey, during the fast, whatever day it is, you know, Sunday, you know, the day we meet together, whatever, whatever day it is, make sure, man, that's really a day, not just a morning, but a day really unto the Lord. Just a day really for Him. I remember it was like, it was like mind-blowing to me when I was maybe like 21, 22, something like that. It was, it was mind-blowing to me. I, I don't even think the, the pastor was talking about it. It just happened to be, you know, when you're just listening, the Spirit's just always speaking and moving. But I was sitting there, I was listening to whatever was being said, and I think I taught Sunday school that day, then I had church, then I had to go back to uh, you know another church for some other thing. And it was mind-blowing to me in the minute in, in the situation, and I was like, I'm supposed to have another quiet time later today with God. I did all this stuff today. I am supposed to have a quiet time later today. That was like mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. It like had never dawned on me. How scary is that? And I maybe you know, I was just an idiot, but I, I, was, like, I was like, wow, like, yeah, I'm doing doing all these things for God today, or, or, or you know, I, I showed up for whatever, because it's important, it's like, I know in that moment, he was just making clear to me, like, hey, listen, this stuff is great, but you need to be with me, you need to be with me, and during that particular season, like, I, I remember that, you know, those Sundays, you know, really, I just needed to be with the Lord more. It's like, quiet time on us I go to church isn't that why I <laughs> right that's compartmentalized that's craziness. It's, craziness it's just like so natural though so natural alright so fasting 101 don't fight while you're fasting no malicious talk no bad stuff and then, Fasting 101 again. Of course, it's all about being in relationship with him and hearing his heart. Not getting what we want to be done. And I just want to say one thing about that. Here's the tension that we live in. We have a God where he says, continue to ask, seek, and knock. Amen? Amen. He says, bring our requests before him. All you who are weary and heavy laden, burden, bring them to me. There is this dynamic of bringing things that are troubling us, that are difficult, that we bring them to God. And what does that look like? That typically looks, typically looks like, depending upon where on the spectrum of how frustrated you are. If you're minimally frustrated and irritated, just praying for God. Be like, this is like kind of this is bothering me right now, Lord. I don't know what it is or what's going on. I'd like to, to hear your voice on this. I'd like you to direct me somewhere. I, I need something from you here. That's minimal frustration. right? Moderate is, but I haven't been able to really shake this. This is like, I seem to think about it more often. I don't know if it was really from you, but now I think it is, and I don't even know what's going on next. That, that's minimally. Heavily frustrated is, you might be yelling, you might be crying. There's probably a lot of emotion invested in. So wherever you are on that spectrum, we're called to bring those things to God. And we are called also to expect that he hears us and he's going to answer our prayers. They were in trouble because they only wanted to respond to God if he did do what they wanted. They weren't fully committed to responding to God and giving the best of themselves to him if they didn't see a result that they liked. That, right, is the issue. We're supposed to bring things to God. We we are supposed to, as Joe said, come with the expectation that he's going to move, that he's going to answer prayers, that he's going to do things. He tells us to do that. And then when we don't do that, we're just showing really no faith. Because what we're showing is, I'm only really going to bring things to him if I know they're going to work out. And that's not faith. So he does want us to come to him, bring things. And he wants us to trust that he hears us and he's working on our behalf. We might actually see it, very short-term, immediate. That's awesome, of course, when we do. But a lot of times we might not. And we have to wait for a while. And that's why we have to hold on in faith. Right? So fasting 101. It's not so much about what you do or how you eat or whatever happens. It's about a heart that just cries out for being closer to. What we're going to do is we're going to take communion. Uh, before we grab the elements, um, let's just... So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Because if you never... The whole purpose of communion is that you're already in relationship with God. And you're just saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. You are the Lord of my life. So if nobody has actually said, you're the Lord of my life, that's never happened. And you want to do that... And today is your first day where you want to actually make God the Lord of your life and you want to live after Him. You don't know what all of it means, but you know that you want to and that you're committing to. uh, Just look up. If you never have and that's something that you want to do, uh, just look up. Just so that way. If you're taking communion, it actually means something. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. So just look up if you've never done that before. Never done it. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, for all of us, Lord, sons and daughters of you, Father, that have committed our lives to you, Lord. I pray that you just greatly speak to our hearts in a greater capacity. I pray, Father, that are still on the fence with you. I pray, Father, that you would really just uh, encourage them, that you speak to their hearts, Lord, that uh, the Christians around them, Lord, um, would just really be great witnesses and testimonies, Father, of just what you do, how you move and how you work, Lord. I pray, Father, that you just fill us with a boldness to follow after you, Lord, that we would be men and women of faith, Lord, when it's comfortable, when it's uncomfortable. I pray that you would show us and make clear to us opportunities to where we can just help feed those that are hungry, where we can clothe those, Lord, that uh, don't have anything, Father. Make us keenly aware, Lord, of the needs around us, Lord, especially the physical needs, Lord, during this fast. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so we going to get a couple people maybe to pass out the communion. is Matthew's Matthew's take on fasting from Jesus. New Testament, We read Old Testament. Here's a little bit of a New Testament take on it. It says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show the men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. All right. so again, most of the fasting is just between him and us, him and us. For you and I, sons and daughters of God, those who've actually professed Christ as your Lord and Savior, we are covered by the blood. Amen? Amen? So that means His blood covers our life. So that means that Jesus' perfect sacrifice, the perfect relationship that Jesus had with His Father, because He never had sin in the way. That perfect relationship, that sort of hearing, that sort of responding, right, that covers our lives. Covers our lives. That sort of victory, that type of overcoming, covers our lives. That's really good news. Should really encourage us. Encourages me, for sure. I mean, it's. I'm very encouraged by the fact that um, that God promises to me and to you that, you know, what we see and what happens around us is not the end of the story. That's encouraging to know. There's always hope. Always hope. And it's not something you can always just manufacture or make up. It's like a promised hope that delivers. And the only way we actually see it deliver is when we actually get out in faith. That's when we see. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for paying the price for us we thank you for you know we get to have the inheritance that, that, that you paid hard work for that, that you lived out that you modeled and we get to inherit that Lord and I pray Father that we would just be obedient in response and I thank you so much Lord for the hearts and for the people in this room Lord that do love you that are continuing to grow, Lord, that you're doing good work in, Father. I am very encouraged by that, Lord. I know that you are as well. And I pray, Father, that uh, your narrative, your narrative would just be the dominating theme, the theme in our life. At work, at home, as we parent, as we grandparent, uh, as we become a friend, whatever it is. I pray, Father, that uh, your narrative would be the most important one in our life. And that's the one we want to shine through, Lord. This is the eating. Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and so we take and eat. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for their good forgiveness of sins. So we take him